This week we're talking about travel and storytelling with Mass Peter Iverson, and you're listening to the Landscape Photography Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. This week I'm talking with Mass Peter Iverson about storytelling through video and travel and all things kind of related to what it's like to have a YouTube channel. The production value on his videos are absolutely amazing and he does a really good job of just kind of showing what it's like to go to a location, the things you need to know about the hike, the location, the photo opportunities. It's, it's almost like a photo guide to every location that he does. It's really, really good. Make sure that you check out his YouTube channel. This week I have a bit of an announcement. I've started my own Patreon account. So this Patreon is going to be a way of me providing bonus content to you guys in the form of extended episodes of the podcast, behind the scenes videos from my different vlogs that I do, image critiques, post-processing videos, as well as Q&A episodes. So if you're interested in more content from me or supporting this podcast, go over to patreon.com slash nickpagephotography and you can find all the information over there. Okay, with that, let's jump into the conversation that I had with Mass Peter Iverson about storytelling with video and travel. So telling a story is kind of what photography is all about, but people like Mass, you take it to the next level. Thanks so much for coming on, and uh, I'm excited to have a chat with you. Well, thank you very much for having me. Just to, so everybody knows, your first name is pronounced Mass, no D. Yeah, Mass. Correct? Yeah. Mass Peter Iverson. I have been a huge fan of your YouTube channel for a long time. Your YouTube channel is fairly new, isn't it? Yeah, I, I've worked on it since like the end of October 2016. And right. I've mainly like just gone through 2017 with yeah having a bit of few different series going on. From, mm -hmm. from Iceland and from, from the US, um, and then kind of exploded here when I started on my Britain series. And what's, what's crazy to me is that anybody that watches your videos sees like the production quality and they're so well done. And it's kind of not fair that you've only been doing it a year because where is that awkward growth stage? Like I had to go through like two years of just terrible, terrible, maybe three years of terrible, terrible videos on YouTube and you just start off good. And that's, that just seems kind of unfair because the, like when I watch your videos, it makes me feel so incredibly lazy because your videos are so cinematic and they're so well done and the music is good and all of the drone footage that you get in all of your videos is just gorgeous. I love, love, love your videos. Thank where you so is that much. awkward growth? Where, where <laughs> I, I feel like you didn't go through the awkward teen phase. Of course, making a YouTube channel. Like I've been a huge fan of Thomas Eaton uh, for yeah. well since, since since I saw his the, the first video of his I saw was the one from uh, from Iceland. His first video from Iceland, and I found out fairly easy um, that I suck in front of the camera. Like when I'm in <laughs> field. I have no clue what I'm going to say, and I'm just like looking for the words. It occurred to me that obviously I don't have to do all these things in field, and I also had to think about how did I want to build 
of my videos because I actually don't want to just be another Thomas Heaton. I wanted to bring yeah. something new to the market, something original. So I focused a lot on actually just presenting the different locations. But I couldn't really do that standing in front of the camera. I tried a few times and the best footage I got is actually from my, my video from Thorsmerk, where also in Iceland, where I was just like, I don't care anymore. Now I'm just blabbering and then I can just cut and paste how what, what, what I found to be good when I came home. But from the very beginning, I was just like, okay, I, I can't speak in front of the camera. So I want I needed to make a controlled environment. So I put up everything in my apartment and then I just with cold sweat on my <laughs> on my forehead started talking to the camera and just like thinking okay nobody need to see this i can always re-record it I, I i can i can do this 10 times because it's not necessary for me to stand in front of a waterfall saying it i am in my apartment so i have fair bit amount of control mm -hmm. and from listening to everybody else who are making videos on youtube because i watched quite a lot of different videos about making videos on YouTube before I started. I learned that it takes you around 20 to 30 videos before you get comfortable in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. And I can easily point out the, the cringing places in my own videos when I have, when I'm looking for it, where I'm a bit insecure or I, I'm not sure what word I want to use. So, <laughs> It, it's it's very controlled, and I'm simply just cutting out every time I am screwing up a sentence or something like that. When you watch anyone's video on YouTube and you see that quick cut, that means that they screwed something up right about there, <laughs> and, they, exactly. and, they, and they reset exactly. it. And I yeah. do the exact same thing in my videos. Like I say most things probably three times because the third time is always the time that I finally got it right. The first two times I said something wrong or I catch myself saying something that's inaccurate or whatever. I am not the most, uh, gifted speaker in the world <laughs> i struggle which is ironic that i even have a podcast they should take this thing away from me uh, <laughs> but well it, it, it's the same for me like i i have never been strong at at uh, being voc vocal yeah <laughs> as you can hear <laughs> yeah, exactly there you go there's the evidence yeah. right there so I, I always prefer to like write my stuff and that is also a way to go about it is actually to write my scripts and then reading up from those and then learn how to read a script without sounding like a robot, which yeah. I would say I did quite a lot in the beginning compared to now. But kind of getting back to what we we're talking about as far as like you said that uh, you didn't want to be just another Thomas Heaton. And yeah. kind of one of the things that I really appreciate about your videos is that uh, your YouTube channel is not just like, here's a story about my trip. It's a, like a photography guide for the place that you're going to. And you get a real sense of what it's like to go there, what you can expect to see, what you can expect from the hike, um, different vantage points for photography. It's like much more of a guide. And I think that your YouTube channel is going to blow up for that very reason, because photographers love that. I love being able to see like, oh, what is it like to go to the Isle of Skye? And how many tourists are there? And can I even do the hike up to the to the oh, what's the name of the famous peaks? The old man of the mountain or old man of stole old man of stole. And yeah. yeah, and I love that about your videos that it's like a, a guide for photography for each location. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that was like 
the way I wanted to get into it because it was the thing I needed myself. It's something I wanted to watch myself. Um, I don't really see any other vloggers do that. Like, Mm -hmm. I have seen a few who have done it after I have started. I don't know if they have seen my footage and then kind of do the same or they come up with it themselves. But my initial idea was to, with my first series from Iceland, was to make a guide to each of the big locations in Iceland, how to get there and what were your opportunities for taking a photograph where I I didn't really talk about photography. That has come way later because people have been asking for it and also so that I could make the videos a bit longer and so forth. But to me, it's extremely important that I keep that thing with presenting the location because, yeah, it's it's what I want myself to watch. Like, there are so many landscape vloggers now on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And honestly, most of them keep saying the same when they talk about the settings for the, for the photographs, like ISO one hundred F sixteen and whatever exactly. my shutter speed is going exactly. to be. Exactly, yeah. it, it there's nothing new there. So mm-hmm. I prefer not to talk about my settings because you you have all these rule of thumbs, and then they differ a bit dependent on the amount of light you are in, and that's basically it. Like you 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 can see one video about settings uh, for landscape photography, and you're good to go. I, I feel it's a bit redundant to keep telling that mm-hmm. again and again and again. Yeah, and not to mention, like, you want to have your own voice and your own purpose for your videos. And if you're just doing what everybody else does, there's not a whole lot of uh, fulfilling creativity in that. You know, you want to feel like you've carved out your own niche, and you definitely have with the type of video. And I, that's why I love your videos, is because I can kind of travel vicariously through you, and it's almost like doing research by watching one of your videos. And I think that's what's so great about them. So I know from firsthand experience just how much work it is to put these videos together. And you have cranked out a whole bunch of videos in this year. Is it the fame or all of the money then <laughs> I say that yeah, sarcastically. I, I can tell you, I'm like literally uh, bathing and showering in money right yeah. now. Like they're just like falling down from the sky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, the, the girls love a vlogger. Mm. I'll tell you what. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no. So what is it? What is it that inspires you to put all of this work into creating these videos for other photographers? Honestly, I of course want to live from doing these videos and doing photography. And I want to do it independently of of working with uh, companies and so forth. So I'm putting uh, quite a lot of uh, time into it. So hopefully in a year or two, I can actually live off of it. Mm -hmm. Um, as, As I said, I wanted to make videos I want to watch myself. I can sit down and watch my own videos, even though I've spent a week creating them and actually enjoying it. For, for the music and the pictures and, and, and the video footage mm-hmm. and, how, and, and how I tell the story. So for me, that, that is just a must. And when you have that uh, vision for a video or, or have that drive, then I, I guess it comes fairly easy to me to, to do it like that. So live off of it in a couple of years, one year, a couple of years. And then actually just making something you you would want to watch yourself. Yeah, um, and watch something to be it, proud it, of. It gives me some kind of weird kick. I'm proud of, mm-hmm. of what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like the, you know, the carpenter that builds a house. 
They, they don't exactly. just build the house and then turn their back on it and walk away. They look up at it. They go get grab a friend. They're like, hey, man, check check it out. I built this. I made that. And then they're like, yeah, that's great. No, but see, I made that. Like, I built that from scratch. And there's that sense of pride when you build and create something. I do the same thing exactly. where... I'm guilty of going back and watching my old videos, not only so I can learn from them and be like, man, I'm never going to do that again, but <laughs> also because like, you know, I put a lot of work into that and it's kind of like, you know, looking through an old photo album and remembering old trips and stuff. And it's like documenting <laughs> your memories. I, yeah. I love that. So there's that kind of selfish reason there, but there's also the, the dream, you know, everybody's dream to be able to travel and to somehow make a living through traveling and doing what you want. And that's, that's amazing. That's like the dream. That's like the goal and props to exactly. you for pursuing it. Exactly. The, the thing is I'm not looking back uh, and, and seeing how much money I'm putting into this project. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't dare because of course, I'm earning uh, some money on the side with different videography projects and photography projects and so forth. Um, and, and I have quite, for now at least, uh, a low... My expenses are fairly low. So I don't need to earn that much money and I can invest the money I earn into this project. And I have read enough of business books to know that to earn money, you need to spend money. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come for free, even if you are the best photographer in the world. You 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 need to work hard to live from from landscape photography. Yeah, uh, at, at least when you p- pursue this way. I don't know how Peter Lick does it, but I guess he's a very very good salesman. <laughs> yes, a very good salesman, and photography in general is a very competitive saturated field and you know you hear people on podcasts talk about it is just so saturated blah 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 it really is saturated that is also why photography in general like you know if you just look on the internet and look at photography of a location that's why it's getting so much better is because all of that competition is making everybody else better and they realize they gotta they gotta work harder you know run faster and jump higher like you have to become a better photographer to stand out nowadays yeah it's only going to be the super passionate uh super obsessive ones that rise to the top anymore because there's just so many people that are putting in all of that work and the same is true on YouTube, there are so many YouTube content creators and you can tell pretty quickly by watching a video who is like really into it and puts a lot of effort into it and who's kind of like, Meh, I'm just going to put the camera up and talk into it for a little bit. Uh, you can tell quickly just by the comments in the thread. Holy cow. One thing about being a content creator on YouTube is that that is where all of the angry trolls live. <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly it's funny how yeah it, it, it the thing with, with being better that is actually something i've also thought about and 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 the way i also went into this that i knew from the very beginning i could not be better i needed to be different and from what i see for the most part is that different is better than better so imagine if we had three equally good landscape vloggers like Thomas Eaton, I wouldn't have time, I guess, to watch all of them. So I, I would just follow Thomas Eaton because I followed him from 
the entire mm-hmm. time. And it's not that I want to make a big shout out to Thomas Eason all the time, but the new photographers doing the same as him, yeah. you're just like, yeah, but you you won't be better. You need to present something new to me for me to actually start investing time into watching your channel. Right, exactly. You're not going to, and I always do this, and I'm sorry, you guys, but I always throw stuff back to music. Okay, you have this band, band A, Metallica, and you have all of these other bands that are heavily inspired by Metallica, and maybe they play Metallica songs, maybe they even play them better, but you're not going to listen to that new band instead of Metallica. You're going to listen to Metallica because they're Metallica, and then you're going to listen to a another band that is completely different because they're different. Better is not always better if you're not original and different as well. So yeah, 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 you have to, you have to find your own voice. You have to find your own, your own style. Otherwise you're just, you know, creating covers of photography that has already been done or YouTube channels that have already been done. That of course takes time. Like Mm -hmm. I started very narrow and then I kind of have been building on all the time like since i made my first video so now like i would like to describe my videos as these long fairly long vlogs which are like more than like epic tales actually that that is something i don't see much on youtube either um i would still say that i'm quite unique having that angle on it i'm very inspired by yeah lord of the rings and Mm -hmm. big blockbuster movies and when nobody else is doing that, I'm like, obviously I should do that because it's so much me. It's so unique because it's me. Mm-hmm. I'm finding myself and finding my voice in photography, also through my vlogging and through my work. And that's quite interesting, actually, also. It's tough because when you're creating YouTube content or video content of any kind, there's that stretch where you have to get comfortable Like it takes a long time before you can just relax and actually have even a little bit of your personality come through in your videos. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing that really strikes me is when I look at my old videos, there's just like not an ounce of Nick in there. Like I don't even recognize myself because I'm so uptight (laughs) and like I'm trying to act, you know, like this knowledgeable professional. And anybody that knows me knows that that's just not me. I'm I'm loose and I'm clumsy and I'm and I make lots of mistakes and that's just who I am. And it took me years in order to let that like actually come through. It's amazing to me, though, that with your channel, you've you've managed to loosen up so quickly. Do you have any kind of like tips for people that are uh, just starting to create YouTube content? And, and they're struggling to kind of find what it is that they want to do or, you know, let their personality show through. I, I would say, like, don't put too much thought into what other people think about you. It's a common mistake for all beginners that we want to look extremely professional. But fact of the matter is we all suck at it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a learning curve. I, I think it's extremely important just not to think about what other people think about you. And that it is okay for you to make mistakes in front of other people. You can always cut it out or redo it if you're in in the field or at a certain location. So there's no reason to actually stress about it. And then I think it's very, very important that you also realize when you are in in the cutting phase that you cut out all those 
I don't know, all those hesitations and all those things. Not to show that you are professional, but simply because it can be a bit annoying to, <laughs> yeah. to look at if you keep doing it all the time. Yep. Um, and be very strict on yourself, like critical towards your own stuff, but not so much that you are uh, like pacifying yourself. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I try to do is when I'm speaking to the camera, don't speak to the camera like it's full of these thousands of people that you don't know. Talk to the camera like it's one person that you do know. Somebody that you can just kind of be relaxed with and talk to them how you would normally speak. And that's kind of my whole shtick is that I try to just treat everybody the same and and I just try to let my personality come through in my YouTube videos. And once I gave myself permission to just be like to make mistakes and to not be perfect. That was when my content got better is because that's actually my personality coming through. And like you make a good point of when you're recording videos, if you make a mistake, nobody's going to see that. So don't worry about making the mistakes because you're just not going to include that in your video. And if you make nothing but mistakes, heck, you don't even have to publish this video. So it doesn't even matter, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Like this mistake, we won't include this. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's the that's the beauty of editing is that, you know, you only include how you want to convey yourself. Uh, Another thing that I recommend to people is that and I guess we're assuming that everybody listening to this is going to go out and create a YouTube video. But (laughs) assuming that you're all going to go out and create a YouTube video, one of the things that I recommend is that even if you think you did nail a a specific talking point, like, you know, a talking headshot where you're explaining what you're doing, even if you think you nailed that, do it a couple more times just in case you do it better. You know, exactly. Every single time it gets better because you figure out what you're actually going to say. And then once you figure out what you're going to say through the process of actually saying it, the next time you say it better and you're not stressed about like, oh, man, I hope I got that shot. Am I going to have to include something that is awful? Because that's the worst feeling is going back and knowing that you have a really terrible take that you have to use in order for the story to make sense. Exactly. But that's pretty much the story I, um, of my life. And, and you can actually compress like if you have a message uh, for people to actually get compress that from like 60 seconds down to 20 seconds mm-hmm. or something like that by, by going through that entire process. I all, always also um, back myself up so that it's easy for me to cut the different places. And if there is a certain moment where I'm not satisfied with what I'm saying uh, on location, I can always make it a voiceover and have enough B-roll to actually make it a voiceover. Yeah. Personally, I really like that going back and forth between voiceover and being on location. It, it makes it more dynamic for me, I think, in, interactive, that I'm also like playing ball with myself while making the story i would say tip number one is to make sure you get enough b-roll because that's the one place that i fail i feel like i fail in almost every single video as i go home and i'm like i just don't have enough b-roll why didn't i get a shot of this why didn't i get a shot of that so anytime you can think of it just even if it's just with your phone get some just little b-roll shots the way I've heard it described is use it like the mortar that puts the bricks of the content together. You know, you need some glue to go in between all of, you know, the narrative and the story. You need those B-roll clips 
to put it all together. And that's where I always fail. And another tip I also thought about is like, it sounds like a cliche, but be yourself. Even though you don't think that you are special, you are unique and people want to see a human being and not a robot. Yeah. And tell tell a joke, loosen up. Uh, if you are a Brit, then use British humor. If you are a Scotsman, it's okay to actually sometimes pronounce things that you would do in, in Scotland or in, in Gaelic. And and the same for me in, as, as a Dane. Uh, we, we we speak Danish. and uh, When you speak English with a Danish accent, it, it sounds absolutely horrible. But <laughs> it is kind of funny when, uh, when, when we speak like that. And just make a joke out of it uh, sometimes i my dialect just changes pronunciation just changes into into danish and well it's just a part of who i am making these mistakes and it's just fun it's just you don't have to be so professional about it exactly and once you give yourself permission to not be perfect that's when you actually become interesting to people viewing you because people are not after perfect except for those trolls the trolls are out i mean That, and that's the thing. Here's the thing about people on YouTube that are just trolling is that you could go make a 30 second video where you're like, okay, guys, here's my social security number. Here's my credit card information. And there would still be somebody to give you a thumbs down. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter yeah. what you give these people. They're never going to be happy. There's always those four guys that are like, you know what? It was good content, but I'm still giving it a thumbs down. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know if if people are like afraid so, so, because I, I I still haven't got like a, a troll message in any of my my comments. Uh, maybe oh, I'm okay. opening Pandora's serious? box by being on this podcast right now. Um, <laughs> but but uh, it it would be nice because of course I also get some dislikes uh, to have a like a, a little anonymous uh, window where people can write constructive criticism or something like that because I actually think that some people genuinely think that they can add something to my videos and i would like to know that but people are afraid of writing it down in a comment section where 99.9 of the comments are really really nice that's true towards the person making the videos it's hard to be that one guy that's like well you know maybe this could be better and i wish there was more of those kind of comments than like you are stupid and you should shave that thing off your chin <laughs> <laughs> which is which is like the majority no, of my luckily, comments. I haven't I, I haven't had those yet. And well, and it's because you I, shave. You I, you're nice and clean <laughs> shave, and you don't get the tr the the hair trolls that I get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So obviously, your YouTube channel would not be what it is without the amazing photography that goes behind it. We've talked a lot about your YouTube channel and and the art of creating it, but your photography is amazing and fantastic. So. We should talk Thank at least you. a little bit about that. You know, it kind of brings me to one of the things that I love so much about landscape photography is that it gives you this excuse to travel. You are a great example of that because you have been traveling a whole lot. Yeah, I wish I traveled more. Uh, I, I, it seems as if people think I'm traveling more than I actually am. Um, but, but I go on these photography tours because that's how I started out and I absolutely loved it. But... I remember some time ago you talked about how it's hard to travel more than a week and focus on photography. And I haven't had that problem yet. <laughs> uh, so so I, I can easily go for a month and just oh, nice. focus on, on photography. So 
when you are counting the days, I, I, I guess I am traveling quite a lot, but I'm extremely effective, I would say, when I'm out. Like, I, I'm up at sunset, I photograph through the day if it's bad weather, if it's good weather, I, I spend my time transporting myself from A to B. I'm at there at the sun, uh, sunset. And I also do astrophotography, so I also shoot through the night. And then I get like, I don't know, five hours of yeah. sleep. And then it's up again and going. And how do, um, you, how do you keep that up for long stints of time? Like when I, when I lead a workshop for, you know, my, my longest workshops are typically like eight or nine days. And by the end of that eight or nine days when you're shooting every sunrise, every sunset and burning the candle at both ends, you are, I, at least I am, I'm just exhausted especially when you throw a little bit of like travel in between all of those days. I, uh, that's a lot. It's hard to keep that up for a long period of time. How do you do it? For the most part, I try to like every second or third day to actually get maybe seven hours of sleep. Uh, and, and then I just eat proper food. Um, <laughs> that must be and, the difference and then right again, there. I'm also eating a lot of sugar and uh, <laughs> energy drinks and I'm, I'm not the healthiest when it comes to this, but <laughs> when Sophie and I were in the US, we, we agreed that, okay, we, we, we just go full US style here. Oh, eating, that's uh, a terrible choice. food and uh, <laughs> just exploring everything you have on, on uh, with, with sugar in it. Yeah. And when we returned home, we, we had both lost around three four kilos in weight because we have been hiking as much as we did wow um, the, the fact that you so, could come to america eat all of our junk food and lose weight that's inspirational that's amazing <laughs> I, I i tell you we were very impressed ourselves too um, but but i guess when, when we actually counting calories we, we we actually probably didn't eat that much like we go for the peanut butter jelly uh, sandwich uh, in the morning after we have been out photographing and then uh, probably a monster energy drink and then we drive <laughs> and then we go out photographing uh, sunset uh, which probably also includes a hike and then uh, we take another sandwich uh, or go for some mcdonald's or whatever else <laughs> that's on the menu I think and then we go I feel out like again you should write a book about health food right now <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure I would need some vitamins after a couple of months, but <laughs> yeah. that's crazy. So, yeah, so it, it is crazy. I don't know if I actually answered your question uh, in regard to. But this is still uh, fascinating. The, yeah. the American food. It, it's always interesting to me, like to talk to international people and the way that they view Americans. Like they they view like one of the first things that pops to mind when you envision somebody from the United States is all of the terrible food options, you know, the McDonald's and the Burger Kings and like the, you know, 32 ounce sodas that are called small. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Well, I, I, I have always liked fast food. So, and, but I'm also all for the most part of my life being a gymnast. So I've also learned to, to uh, be healthy and I, I just, try to to hit a, a proper balance between eating the fun food and and eating what is actually uh, a good food yeah and and i was surprised coming to to the us like you have lots of options for for eating healthy i was just surprised at how ridiculously expensive it was compared to all the junk food yeah that's the thing is when you come when you have options 
if you're eating quick and cheap, it's going to be garbage. It, it just always is yeah. because th- those are the quick and cheap options. You can eat healthy, but you're gonna it's gonna be slower and more expensive. That's the problem that I always run into when I'm traveling is that here I am, I'm on the road, I don't wanna stop for very long, and oh crap, there's a Burger King right there. And like, <laughs> yep. like am I really gonna be the guy that orders a salad at Burger King? You know, and it's so difficult to, um, to choose healthy when you're in a hurry and when you're traveling and want just something quick and easy that you can eat in the car. It's very difficult for me. Obviously food in general is a problem for Nick, (laughs) but (laughs) that's just how it is. Like of your travels, you've done lots and lots of traveling. Where are some of the, the places that, uh, you have the most fond memories of like, where can you not wait to go back to that you've already been? Iceland and I think Lofoden. Uh, there is just something about, and of course Scotland also. <laughs> There's some uh, at the Faroes, like ev- literally everywhere where I've been, and it <laughs> it just motivates me so much being out in the field. I just love it. But there is something about that northern cold, mm-hmm. harsh feeling. I don't know. I, I feel like getting back to my roots or something like that. Living in Denmark, we are part of Scandinavia, but the weather here are not extreme at all. It's like literally one of the safest places on earth when it comes to weather. We we are being protected from everywhere by by a little bit of ocean and, and some major uh, landmasses uh, such as England. Like we hardly, we, we don't get any hurricanes at all. Uh, wow. we, we can get gusts of, of, of hurricane wind speeds, but that's about it. We never freeze uh, our butts off during winter because the the sea keeps us warm. Uh, And during summer, we we never get heat strokes because we are that far north anyway and surrounded by water again. So we have pretty monotonous uh, weather. So I I think those extremities like like Iceland, where it can be... It can be such moody weather, mm-hmm. and the same goes for Scotland and and uh, especially the Faroe Islands, where the weather just changes all the time. And also up in Lofoten, that there is something about it. And being out there, it 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 feels it feels safe yet still fairly extreme. <laughs> you know, and I'm not sure why it is either, but I find myself much more drawn to the northern cold climates, you know, the jagged mountains with a chance of aurora like that. Those those combinations of things are just so um, compelling to me, probably yeah. because uh, bad weather is just one of my favorite things. I love really dramatic, yeah. moody weather. And that, and that's what's so great about Iceland is not only is it moody, but because it's an island, the weather changes really fast. If it's blue skies at the in the afternoon, you can almost count on a storm later in the day because it's not going to stay the same. And I love that about Iceland. It makes it it makes it really entertaining because as much as I'm a landscape photographer, I'm kind of a weather photographer because I just love, <laughs> I love weather and I love dramatic weather. Yeah. And it just adds that, that something special to a photo when you get like those big storm clouds or really great light peeking underneath a really heavy set of clouds. Like, oh, those are just my favorite things. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And as, as much as I love, a, a, an epic sunset, a sunrise, and and those colors. There's just something about those desaturated landscapes where you just have a, a low hanging cloud, which is just thick with lots of texture above some black mountains. 
it's it's it is hard to explain exactly why I'm drawn to it, but I I, I think I just feel home mm-hmm. in it, and 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 I really I also love how how you can turn a, a fairly complex scene minimalistic with only like one ray of light hitting a certain spot or something like that. yeah yeah something like absolutely. that absolutely. So where can people go to see your work and to find out more about what you have coming up? Well, uh, first and foremost, my YouTube channel. You can just search my name, Mess Peter Iverson, and I should pop up. And then you can go to Instagram, uh, Mess Peter Iverson underscore photography. And Iverson is with an E in the end and not an O. Yeah, I spelled uh, it wrong the first several times. <laughs> <laughs> Iverson. Yeah, Instagram and YouTube and, and then my Facebook page. But my Facebook page is kind of dead because it's Facebook. So, mm, yeah. But generally, just search my name. And then, of course, my homepage, uh, mpiphoto.dk. There I, I have my collections from my different travels awesome thank you so much for coming on the show and i cannot recommend his youtube channel and his instagram feed highly enough his work is fantastic both his video and his photography thanks for coming on mess thank you so much nick and thank you for having me it has been such a pleasure and such an honor well the honor is mine all right we'll catch you guys (laughs) next week bye-bye